0: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Welcome, 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 welcome. All ready. Praise the King, praise the King, praise the King. How are we doing today? Amen, we're doing great. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, thank you, Jesus, for another good week. Thank you, Lord, for a good healing school yesterday and uh, we had people from all over here. We had a pretty good group. Thank you, Lord. Praise the King. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Word today. That's what we came here for, right? To learn about the Word. To see what the Word says. To see if we can walk where He tells us to walk. His requirements are pretty stiff, so there's not very many willing to pay the price. But there is a price to be paid, and that price can be paid. You know, and uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. So, anyway, uh, I don't know if we have, I might take one or two testimonies if we have any today. Has anybody got a testimony you want to give before we get started in the Word? No testimonies today? Okay, Okay. praise the Lord.
1: use this week? <laughs> listen to me. The Holy Spirit's in charge, silly. Did <laughs> you ask Him last Sunday to take over? All right. Now listen. Every one of you just asked the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, show me. Just everybody close your eyes. Holy Spirit, show me how you used me this last week.
2: Show me whose life I touched.
1: Just be stillness. Be stillness. Some of you gave a word of encouragement. Some of you gave a word of administration. Some of you gave a word of health. Some of you gave a word of financial help to maybe as a child, maybe as a church, but you did that. These are the motivational gifts that God put in each one of you. Some of you led somebody to the Lord. You didn't even know it. You prayed, and you touched Him. And when you touched Him, the Holy Spirit flowed through you because you asked Him last Sunday to, to walk with you and guide you. Every morning when you get up, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm not leaving this house without you. I'm not leaving without you. He'll always go with you. Now, now, come up here and give me your praise report. Everyone. Every one of you is used. Ask him, he'll tell you. Yeah.
3: Last week, you and Cheryl prayed for Heidi again, and I know that it's probably the thing that saved her life or either saved her from being seriously injured. Um, because Hallelujah. on Monday night, Heidi was with one of her friends, and it's a three year old. Uh, episode with this girl, and it's someone that I would have preferred that my daughter had not been friends with, and she had been in a car accident a year ago, uh, drinking, driving, rolled the car, and ended up in rehab for an extended period of time. She got out, and everybody thought she was on a good track, and Heidi was with her Monday. Monday night, Heidi got in the car with her, did not realize that this girl was drinking, didn't have any slurred language or anything they ran on top of a bridge it was a steel embankment and they went up over the side of it the car on the driver's side hovered over it and then came back down and righted itself and no one was injured which is just a miracle because Heidi said that she thought that they were going in a ditch So I want to thank the Lord for intervening and saving my daughter's life. I want to thank you all for praying. And I know a lot of you pray for Heidi. And we're not done yet because she's in progress. And I didn't know all this. And uh, Tuesday night she came to our house, this little girl, to spend the night. And, of course, I wasn't real happy about it. I didn't know what had happened Monday night. I just knew the previous history. And I thought, with all the things that I'm dealing with, Lord, I don't think we need her. But the Lord really touched my heart not to turn her away. The next morning she came walking down the hall and I said, well, how about let's go have some breakfast Over the course of our breakfast we talked about the Lord we talked about her mom and she was actually willing to call her mom and tell her where she was. She had been kicked out of her house and had no place to go. So she's been staying with us and The interesting thing about this is three years ago when my daughter ran, that's the place where she went to. And we never thought that she would be on the other foot, but we felt a lot of just shame. And the things that you feel as a mom, when you have a child that does something like that, and the mom was scornful, you know, towards us. Well, you parents, if you knew what you were doing, your child wouldn't be here. And now, you know, she's coming back and the Lord's asking me to show her mercy and not to judge her. And we're not through this yet, but I'm really grateful that I didn't turn her away because I didn't know all the history. And it opened the door with my daughter for us to talk, and it blessed her that I showed compassion to her friend. And then Friday, just just as you think that things are going really well, Friday, my daughter, Heidi's little doggie, died in my arms. He had a, He was 14 years old, and... Anyway, there wasn't a thing I could do about it. I prayed for him. And to make a long story short, this morning I was at the Methodist church where I play, and they always have a prayer time, and I asked for prayer for Heidi because I just said my daughter's grieving. She lost her little doggy on Friday. And right after the service, a lady came up to me, and she raises puppies. And a friend of mine in church brought her to me, and this lady said, I would like to give your daughter one of the puppies from my litter. Amen. And I just wanted to share this because this is just so awesome. You know, these are things that we need to write down in our books so that when we're having a day that's not quite so pristine and squeaky clean that we can look back like in the old Testament where they built an altar to the Lord and they went back and they remembered and they praised Amen. Him. So today, Lord, I just give you praise for the work that you're doing, my daughter. You're not finished yet. No. But, Lord, she's going to come through to the other side. Claim I claim her in Jesus' name. Yes. Thank yes. you, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen.
0: Yes. Praise yes. the King. Praise yes. the King. Praise the King. You
1: and your house going to be saved. Hallelujah. Good,
2: baby.
1: Well, see? I'm going to get more of y'all up here. Every one of y'all is being lying now. I'm going to go out in the crowd and put some... You better be ready. You better be ready. Because I know you were used. Every one of you was. Go ahead,
4: baby.
3: Well, I had a pain in my shoulder right here in Thurman, and Cheryl prayed for me yesterday, and it went away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank, you, Jesus. thank you, Lord. Praise the King.
0: Thank you, Lord. thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord.
5: Well, praise the Lord. My husband and I were here at the healing school yesterday, and there was a lady sitting behind us, and the Lord just put her on my heart. Her name is Jean. I've been looking around to see if she's here today um she is a lady who's originally from montreal and lord gave me a word for her from his scripture and i went and i shared it with her and she praised god she said that it was a confirmation that she had been praying for she would done street ministry in montreal where she was originally from since she had come to live in dallas she had been through a lot of traumatic experiences she and her family had been attacked brutally attacked And she had serious injuries that she was recuperating from. But the Lord had some other words of knowledge that he blessed me with to encourage her with. And she said she had had a vision of me, two visions, and that he had shown me to her, which also blessed me very much. And I thank you, Lord that you use me as a vessel of your ministry. Amen.
2: Praise Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
6: Wow, praise the Lord. I just, I just want to give God all the glory and praise. And he really has been enlightening in my eyes about the Holy Spirit and how he's our counselor, our helper, our friend. And um, I've really been praying for my son And I had a dream, and I dreamt that my son was in a pit, and darkness was all around him. And the only reflection that was coming upon him was the moon. And one of the things I've learned through um, this ministry is that God, in the Word of God, that God gives us warnings. And I was just so thankful because God is warning me about my son. And it's like now i'm there's like a righteousness indignation inside of me to stay prayerful for my son and to to know who I am in Christ and to let the enemy know he has no authority in my family's life, and if I didn't have that knowledge. We would I will just accept whatever happens, but because I know who I am in Christ Jesus, the devil is a liar, and he cannot have my child. So I just want to just encourage you today that nothing just happens. God is in control of everything, and um, another testimony, I wanted to just thank God, because You know, Irvin had a tornado watch, you know, a tornado, and I'm from New York. (laughs) And I was at the half bookstore, and all of a sudden they telling me to go to the back of the bookstore for my protection. But when you're a child of God, you just feel his peace. So I didn't feel any alarm or nothing, and I was just thanking him for his spirit, because if it was trouble, he would have had me praying. You know, but I just felt the peace of God through the whole experience. I was reading my book and getting to know people, and I was just thanking God for His peace that passes all understanding. Amen.
0: Praise the Lord. Praise Hallelujah.
1: The Lord. Hallelujah. I want to tell you I want a quick story there.
0: on, on that.
1: come on, up here, Bill. This, this. I was, that storm was coming. Someone called Cheryl up and said, There's a tornado there in Rockwall, and it's heading right from McLendon Chisholm. Cheryl called me. I was getting ready to do surgery on this goat. So I prayed for a minute. I said, That's it. I listened, Holy Spirit. I said, I need to be worried. And he said, No. I said, Thank you, Jesus. So there was this preacher and his wife there that brought this goat over. He said, "We're getting out of here." I said, "What for? We just prayed." Where's your faith? He said, "We're still getting out of here."
2: <laughs> <laughs> so they jumped in their car and took off and
1: left me with this big kicking goat that was urinating all over my barn. You know, my old goat smells. <laughs> oh, that was a disgrace. No. He come to let time. I've never seen a man with faith like you have. No, it isn't me. It's the Holy Spirit. I prayed. He said, "Don't worry about it." So I didn't. <laughs> no. So the same thing happened at the ministry center. Come here, Dave. We got a word right here. Dave was out there. You were praying. What did you say
2: when that storm was coming?
4: <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> no, actually, when that storm was coming, Pastor was. Uh, Pastor was out. Uh, uh, leveling the ground with his tractor, and, and it's starting to storm and lightning. And I looked up, and I saw the lightning, and it was flashing all in front of me, all behind me. And and I thought, you know, Father, you're the king of all that lightning. I don't, I don't have to be one bit afraid. Now that's a new revelation for me. I don't. I, there would have been times I would have been running, ducking, you know. But I was thinking, why would I want to run from where I was at? Because I'd just be running to the path of the storm. <laughs> I don't want to get there. So I was just really at peace. I, just, I saw the lightning, and it was beautiful. I mean, you ever watch God paint on the sky? It is gorgeous. So it was... But as far as uh, praying, I don't ever pray. <laughs> now, let me, t- let me tell you why. Jesus is on the boat. The reason we rebuke the winds and the waves and the storms... Is because we believe Jesus did it, and he did. But Jesus didn't do it for himself. He was asleep at peace in his father's arms. But when his disciples and those around him got scared, that's when he stood up and rebuked it. And it said, why didn't you all do that? Why would you wake me up? Now, that's a day paraphrase, but that's pretty much what it says. So I don't ever get scared of the storms. I just say, Father, is there anything I need to know about that I need to repent of? Because <laughs> is, that, is that storm coming my way or is it going someone else's way? <laughs> you know, we, we live 10 minutes north of the racetrack. So I didn't know if God was sending some uh, judgment over there to the racetrack. <laughs> but I prayed peace over us. In the name of Jesus, there will be no destruction. Those those 500 people that live in tents out there right now, because of the race being there, Father, just let them have their tents when it's all over. <laughs>
1: That's Amen. Matthew 5.48. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, He says you're going to pray, 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 pray for the just and the unjust because Daddy lets it rain on the just and the unjust and the sun comes up on the evil and the good. Amen. That's Daddy. where right. Bill go? <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. It's <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> no, do speak. I know how you are. <laughs> okay. okay.
0: Okay. We may have okay. to stay he two hours later. I may be the only one here when I get through, but that's okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> I still, go I ahead. I
2: still want y'all to come up here
1: and <laughs> everybody what Jesus did
2: for you. I'll still, I'll make this short. <laughs> <still>
7: <laughs> I want to just praise the Lord tonight because um, last Wednesday I was moved by the Holy Spirit to go down and see two friends of mine down in the Woodlands, and I had this man on my heart for some time. He's about 88 years of age, and, and he and his wife, Shirley, don't go to church, and I think they've got a couple of little Bibles up in their in their bookshelf, but the Lord really put it on me strong. He said, "You've had enough word to talk to you. You've you you've heard enough of what I've said and how to do it." He said, "Go down there and see them and lead them to me." Yeah. So I'm telling you folks, it worked. Yeah. I prayed for the boldness, went down there, you know, and you always want to talk to the Holy Spirit before you start, start leading somebody. Yeah, so I spent yeah. the night with these two people the next morning. I got up early, and I said, you know, I've got something on my heart I want to talk to both of you oh, about. Sorry. I said, I plan to go to heaven, but I said, I'm not really sure who all is going to be there, and I want to make sure that you, Shirley, and you, Lewis, are with me. Oh, and oh. I said, now, listen, here's what we've got to do. I said, I've been sitting under some great teaching lately. I said, I've even got some tapes out in my car I'm going to leave with you, but I'm not until we get this done first. I said, it's very important, though, that you do one thing if you want to go to heaven. You've got to repent for everything that you've ever done. And I said, let's get that down first. That's John the Baptist's message. I said, that's what I've been learning. Well, i would read it, but i would never paid that much attention to it. So then uh, we formed a little circle, you know, and I asked the Lord, asked them to ask the Lord to forgive them for all their sins, and they did and then I quoted in romans ten nine ten I quoted to them matthew 8, 18, 18, 19. and you know where we know that we can call on the Lord for their healing, but first, I said, Would you repent and ask Jesus to come into your heart and they both said yes that they would So they repented. They asked the Lord to come in. I asked them if they wanted to be saved. They said, yes. I said, Lord, the Lord will save you if you really meant this in your heart and confessed it with your mouth, which you did that. And I said, so now what I've just learned is that, Lewis, you've got Alzheimer's. But I said, we're going to see that go, too.
2: So right
7: now, I said, I'm going to take authority over that Alzheimer's spirit. And I said I'm going to cast it out. And I said I can do it through the blood of Jesus. And we're here. We go. And I got after that spirit and I ran him off. I bound him away from those folks. And I'm telling you, he's gone. And you know, as I was, <laughs> praise Come God. On. Let praise me tell you Jesus. something, folks. I want to tell you something. The whole time I was doing all this, my mind kept flashing to Thurman and to Ty and to Thurman and to Ty. It was they. He, it was in this church. This isn't even where I belong. But I'm telling you, being here has really done something for us.
2: So, anyway, they were all excited,
7: you know, and, and I told them, I said, well, I'm going to send you two Bibles from Irving. That's why I live in Irving, too. So, I said, uh, um, I'm going to go out and get these tapes, and I brought these, these CDs into them, and I said, you and Shirley listen to these. And they said they would. So, anyway, that's the story. I just want you to know there's two more saints that are
2: going to heaven. Amen. Praise, praise the Lord. Praise hey. the Lord. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Come on up here, <laughs> 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 Katrina, welcome. Katrina,
1: I'm sorry, darling. I'm that close.
8: I told no you, I'm storms in my you. life. I'm always going to remember you. You're remember that storm. <laughs> no storms in my life, praise know, the Lord. I went to the shelter of his wings. <laughs> yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when the storm was going, you know, and I heard these huge hailstones, golf ball size. I, it happened to be on the phone actually trying to get a quote, a new quote for insurance and um during this storm the lord just i don't know how you, you never know when the lord moves you wonder how did you get from a to z you know but i was like this woman had never heard um The good news message of the lord she grew up in a presbyterian church never heard it and i don't know how we got on the subject but all of a sudden the next thing i was just sharing the whole message with her everything the lord had done she'd never heard it before she's like how come i never heard this i grew up in church and so she was going to go home and share it with her boyfriend that she was living with um and i let her know about you know those issues too and anyway, I'm believing she, she both her and her boyfriend are going to That's be right. coming to the Lord and that they're going to be a mighty force against the kingdom of darkness Hallelujah. because they were heavily she was heavily involved in certain areas that didn't even realize it wasn't of the lord's occult practices, so praise. praise the Lord, she's going to be shining for him in his kingdom so. In the storms, God can bring good things. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: Lord. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Now one more thing I got to tell you. Today he says, "The time is coming when those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth." Yes. Holy Spirit, worship through you. The Holy Spirit's job is to tell you what to do. The Holy Spirit's job is to say, "Go pray for that person." Go pray for that person. You know uh, um, when you, when you look at Jude, he says build yourself up. Stir up your gifts. The most important gift of all is prophecy. Because true prophecy is the revelation of Jesus Christ according to Revelation 19. So when you're telling people about Jesus, that's what Daddy said. When you look at the first chapter of Mark, John the Baptist came preaching. he came. This was his sermon. Repent and be baptized. Now Jesus came and he was baptized. And it says he came up and he went to preaching the same thing. Repent and be baptized. That's your job. So you're not telling people about Jesus. It's only because you're not letting the Holy Spirit give you that boldness. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes up on you. And you shall be witnesses. Witnesses to, about me throughout the world. The, what's the secret? Let the Holy Spirit take over. I want one more thing I've got to let you all sit in. Okay. <laughs> My wife. I was, I was stirring up my Joe Jude. Says, "Stir up the gifts. Stir up the gifts." Now, you want to stir up the gifts, whether it be ministerial gifts, motivational gifts. So all day Wednesday, was it Wednesday with Thursday? We went. Yeah, all day, all day. what day we go up to, to, to North Park? She drug me over to North Park or Galleria. Friday wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. So all day Thursday, I was praying in tongues all day long. I was working cattle, chasing my one chicken that I have. <laughs> I was praising God and worshiping in tongues, so I really thought it was for Cheryl. Cheryl Cheryl had LASIK surgery this week, and uh, and so I thought it was just you know just praying praying over that. Well, so Friday after we went back to, for the doctor to check her eyes, she said we got to go over to the gallery and I got to take these clothes back. I don't shop with girls, so I, I said well I'm going to go over to the health food store while you're here. I'm going go to this health food store. Walked in there and there's just one boy there. And a gallery is a busy place. Nobody's there but him and me. This boy's 24 years old. Moved down from from uh, New York. It wasn't long till the Holy Spirit says, Ty, He doesn't know me. I said, "You know Jesus?" He said, "Yeah, I know Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior." And I said, I looked in his eyes and they were dead. The Holy Spirit, he doesn't have any idea who I am. So I started praying with this man. And started telling him about Jesus. Before I left that store, the man was asking Jesus for his Lord and Savior.
2: Amen. Praise the yeah. Lord. Lord.
1: who did it? Who come did on. it? It come wasn't I, was it? It was the Holy Spirit. He invited him <laughs> every day. Tell him you're not leaving the house till he comes with you. And when he says, okay, I'll come with you, now you got power. <laughs> now you got power. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise All right. You want to man. turn it off?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll turn it off, yeah. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you do. Lord, may you be glorified in everything we do today. In the name of Jesus, amen. How would you like to have a walk with God like he wants you to have with him? There's an awesome scripture in Luke 6.40 that I want to read to you or I want you to see. And if we're able to do this, I want it in the King James. The King James, Luke 6.40, makes you this statement. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. First of all, that's a pretty rigid goal to set. Everyone that's perfect. Well, most people are like I was most of my life. I didn't even think it was possible for me to be perfect. So I had listened to the ways of the enemy. And obviously, that's what most of the church today has listened to, because I walked there for many, many, many years of my life, not even dreaming it was possible to be perfect. Yet everything I tried to do in the business world and everything I tried to master, every school I went to and everything else, I tried to be perfect. I mean, I remember when one of my classes that I graduated from, I tried my best to master that class. And I mean, I studied. And on the final test, I missed one question. One. And it was because I misread the question. I knew exactly what I was supposed to know there, but I was very upset with myself because I missed one question on that test. There was guys in that class that missed 10 and 20 questions. They was tickled pink because they passed it with a 70. But I was miserably unhappy with myself because I missed one. I wanted to be perfect in everything I did. But if you would asked me, would it be possible for you to be perfect as Jesus was, I would have immediately told you, well, no, that's not even a goal I can achieve. But obviously, it's a goal He set for each one of us. But I didn't think I could get there. So, a disciple, you cannot be above your Master, but everyone, that's you and me, everyone that is perfect, we shall be as our Master. Well, what is the example our Master left? Well, I want us to, in the King James again, or well, let's take it to NLT this time. Let's go to first Peter two twenty one through twenty three. First Peter two twenty one through twenty three. I will read it out of the King, James. You can read it out of the NLT up here to see what little bit of difference there is. For even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And then he tells us what those steps included. Who did no sin. So that's a, that's a goal you've got to learn to set for yourself. Who did no sin. Neither was any guile or deceit found in his mouth. And who, when he was reviled... He reviled not again, and when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now, that's a pretty good set of requirements right there. You will not master those this week, I can assure you. But you can master them, all of them. Every one of you will be, if you ask the Lord, Lord, to bring me to a new level of faith, and if you're not asking Him to do that, you should be, because that's what He wants you to do. The minute you ask Him to bring you to a new level of faith, immediately He will begin to put you to the test to see if you pass your test. And the test will be based around these examples. So you can do this. Well, if Christ was our example, I'd like to turn in the King James to Proverbs 23, 7. Proverbs 23, 7. And I want you to see something you're going to have to do to get to this point. Now, Proverbs 23, 7, I'm only going to read a little piece of that. Because in this proverb, he's talking about eating. And he's talking about money. But this work around anything. Now, I want you to look at the part I'm going to look at. For as you think in your heart, so are you. If you think in your heart that you can be perfect, you will begin to master these things. If you don't think in your heart, not in your mind, but you've got to be able to think in your heart, your spirit's got to become in control of you. And your spirit has got to know, you've got to think, think. Your thought pattern has got to be, I know I can be perfect. I will be perfect. I will not go there in sin. I will not hold a grudge against anybody for anything. I will walk holy in the presence of my Lord. If I am a man, then I I will and know that I can meet all the requirements of God's Word for me. He's laid out. If you're a woman or a wife, you'll have to know. You'll have to think in your heart. I can and I will meet all the requirements of God's demands upon me for my husband. I can and I will be that woman. Or if you're the man you got to say, I can and I will be that husband that God wants me to be. I will be. And, of course, here when I think about this, as the other day as I taught on love, and I came to that 1 Corinthians 13 love chapter where it says, love is not easily provoked. And you know, I made that statement, and, of course, that evening after we got home, Dave said, I'm going to do some study on that scripture. And as we talked that evening, he said, love is not easily provoked. So here's what we're thinking as guys. Ruthie, how many times do we have to be provoked before we can say, okay, now I'm going to get you? love is not easily provoked so we think okay if love is not easily provoked somebody says something to me okay one time i'm not going to be provoked because i know god said i love is not easily provoked although they may be rubbing me wrong right now and provoking me but i'm not going to go there and so they do it a second time and you think okay now i'm the Lord said it's not easily provoked, so I ain't going to let two times get me either. And so then you think, okay, I wonder, Esther, how many times I can go before he provokes me. <laughs> that don't even go there. <laughs> but you all know where I'm coming from, right? And you think, okay, First Corinthians 13 says love not easily provoked, so okay, the tenth time he provokes me. I'm going to get him. I've had all I can stand. And you think, okay, Lord, I met your criteria. I went ten times. It was not easily provoked. Dave's done some study on that from the Scriptures, and he came into my office, and he said, Pastor, we're going to have to take that Scripture, that page of the Bible, and rip it out and throw it away. I said, why, Dave? He said, I've done some research on that, and you taught that wrong, Sunday. I said, how did I teach it wrong? He said, you said love is not easily provoked. But he said, in the true scripture, the word "easily" has been added. I mean, has been that's not there. The word "easily." He said, "God said, love is never provoked." He said, "Dermot, I'm not sure I can go there. I think we ought to just take that page." He reached up about to tear it out, throw it away. (laughs) I said, "Dave, you know we can't do that, don't you?" He said, "Yes, but that sure did make it a lot harder." He said, that standards a lot higher. So now then, they provoke me five times, ten times, twenty times, fifty times. When can I be provoked? Never. Never. Is that a hard one? That's a hard one. That takes some thinking, doesn't it? Love is never provoked. Now, trying to do things God's way is a little bit difficult. It's a little difficult. But just think. What that Proverbs 23, 7 said, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, if you've been trained from what the Scripture said and the words have been added, love is not easily provoked, then you'll begin to think, okay, I can go five times. And after I get a little further, I might even go eight or ten times. So I'm really meeting the Scripture. But you're really not. But when you learn, love is never provoked. That will really put you to the test. Somebody comes in and says something to you. Instead of lighting your fire, you need to say, Lord, thank you. This is just another test. It takes something to get there. You know it? It takes time and years to get there. And some of us will never get there. We will never begin to think like this. It's an ongoing, constant, everyday thing. I mean, I know it is with me. And I'm sure you're no different than me. So, we have to learn to think right. Okay, so let's go to Mark chapter 7, verse 20 through 23 in the King James. Mark 7, verse 20 through 23. When you get to Mark 7, verse 20, and he says, That which cometh out of the man that defiles the man. That which comes out of the man. Verse 21 says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. Now, we're just dealing with thoughts. Proceed evil thoughts, and these thoughts are adulteries, fornication, murder, verse 22, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, or all kinds of wickedness. That word just goes beyond anything you can imagine for wickedness. An evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. If these things is what you think on, then that's what's going to come out of you, and they're going to defile you. And you're never going to be like the master. You've got to learn to control this. Verse 23 says, All these evil things come from within, and they defile the man. This is your thought pattern. You, hadn't even, you haven't even acted on this. You haven't went out and committed adultery. You ain't killed nobody. You haven't done anything. All you've done is think about these things. And your thought pattern is what's going to separate you and me from the power of God and seeing Him do good things. I mean, it's real easy to think a bad thought. And you think, I didn't sin today. But a guy at work walked up to you and said something to you, and man, he greatly offended you. Greatly offended you. And you were able to contain yourself, but inside you're saying, I'm going to get him. You ever done that, Keith? (laughs) (laughs) We've been guilty of that, haven't we? When we did that, what did we just do? We were defiled because that evil thought, although we didn't speak it, that evil thought was in there and we meditated on it. That defiled us with God. Well, I guess we're going to have to learn how to think then, aren't we? So this, we gotta change our thought patterns. How are we gonna do that? There's gotta be a way. Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And let's read that first in the NLT. I wanna to go to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, 4, 3 through 5. And I wanna look at that. Look what it says in the NLT. We are human. Now, all of us are human, unless you happen to be an angel or something, but most of us here are human. I <laughs> just, thought, just hit me. some of us don't think we're human. Some of us think we're an animal. You know, I've heard people say, he's not a human being, he's an animal. You ever heard anybody say that? But we're human. But we, the humans that are Christians, we don't wage war with human plans and methods. Now see, this really takes some difference in your thought pattern to learn how to wage war like God says it. Because we're in a war. But we can't wage war the way the world does. So the next verse. We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. Now the devil will put strongholds in your life. And I'm going to talk about those in a minute. Verse 5 says, With these weapons we break down every proud argument that keeps people from knowing God. With these weapons, we conquer their rebellious ideas and we teach them to obey Christ. Now, how do we do that? See, until you get the concept in your thinking that you're a son or a daughter of God. And that you can go boldly into the throne of grace and you can come before the king and you can come against the enemy in somebody's life and you can change that person's life by going to the throne of grace. I mean, you and I are invited in Hebrews 4.16 To come boldly into the throne of grace anytime we want to in times of need. Now, that's the third heaven. It took me a long time to see that, that I could come boldly into the throne of grace. Now, when I come into the throne of grace, the one thing I've got to make sure that I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because if I go to the throne of grace and I'm not washed or try to go to the throne of grace and I'm not washed in the blood of the Lamb, or if I am washed in the blood but i got unconfessed sin in my life and I try to go boldly before the throne of grace, I could very easily be killed. Very easily. I have a, there is a man, which I will not call his name. He has been on our television show a few times in the last few years when we were on Daystar. (coughs) But this man and I got into a very serious discussion about the Word of God. When I learned I could go to the throne of grace, he told me, he said, Thurman, you can't go up there. I told him, yes, sir, I can't. He said, no, I know pastors of churches that have tried to do this, and their churches were attacked, and women had uh, had miscarriages and all kinds of problems. I said, I don't doubt that at all. But I said, that church was living in sin. And that pastor up there that was trying to go to the throne of grace, he had sin in his life. I said, with sin in his life, you go to the throne of grace and you ain't got every sin confessed, you ain't washed in the blood. I said, the devil will kill you. You can't go to the throne of grace where the holy of holy is with sin in your life. You can't be lying and cheating and and murdering and talking evil about everybody on the block and come to church on Sunday. And then the pastor says, let's go to the throne of grace and let's do some spiritual warfare. He said, I saw a platform out there with a man on it. And he said, they were throwing darts up like this and they were just going up a little ways and coming right back down. And Satan was laughing at them. And in a few minutes, he started throwing darts from up above and started killing the people in the church. He said, I saw a vision that I set that I said, what God's trying to tell you, that church is not walking holy before Him. I said, He clearly told us in His Word that if we walk holy and obedient to His Word, He's given us all power with the enemy, and the enemy cannot touch you. Can't touch you. I said, the one thing we've missed is the sin issue in the church. I said, we preach too much grace and not enough law. I said, we think, just like Ty said a while ago, he got off on that kick one time. Of thinking, grace is okay. I'm saved by grace. I can go do anything I want to do. Oh, yeah, you can. But there's going to be a consequence following it. I guarantee you. You know, you ain't going to like the consequence when you get out of a true, pure walk with God. And He ain't going to answer your prayer and He ain't going to talk to you. He ain't going to do it. If He does, He'll tell you, stop sinning. That's what He's going to tell you. He's not going to tell you nothing else. He expects you to walk holy. In Second Timothy, chapter two, it's the last three verses. Dave, I don't even remember what they are. Second Corinthians, I mean Second Timothy, chapter two. Uh, is that? Okay, twenty. The Lord's servants, listen to what He's saying here. Now, we'll listen to this. The Lord's servants must not quarrel. Are you one of the Lord's servants? Are you His child? The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but they must be kind to everyone. Do you think He's just talking there? They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. Do you know any difficult people? I may be on your list. (laughs) Depends on where you're coming from. Some people think I'm very difficult. You know, I've heard some of my Baptist friends through life, they think I'm very difficult. They do not understand me. I probably fit that criteria for them. But that's okay. The Lord's servants. Okay, look what he says in verse 25. They should gently teach those who oppose the truth. You know anybody that opposes things that are written in this book? What are we supposed to do to them? We gently teach those who oppose the truth. That's why I take the Word of God, open this book, and go through everything showing you what God says. And there's people that sit right here in this room, right here, and listen to me teach things that God said. And then they'll turn around and tell me, you believe it different than I do. No, I don't believe it different than you do. I just believe what's written. I mean, I, I had a, like I told you the other day, I had a person that has come to this church, wrote a big minister in this area, which I would never give a name, and said, I've been going to a church where lately he's been saying that God puts sickness and disease upon us. I want to know what your opinion is. And he wrote him back a nice letter that God would never put sickness and disease upon no one. And he said, there's people out there that misinterpret the Word of God, but God does not put sickness and disease upon you. And, of course, he forwarded the email to me. So last Tuesday night, I taught from only 20 or 30 places in God's Word where God says, I put sickness and disease upon you. Only 20, 15 or 20, or 30. And that was only a fraction of the outline I had. Now, how many times does God have to say, if you disobey me, I will put sickness on you? How many times does He have to say that before you're going to believe it? You know? I'm just telling you, what I'm teaching you is right out of this book. Now, listen. And what I'm teaching you Obviously, God's a little bit happy with some of the things I am teaching because He sure is answering a lot of our prayers at the Living Savior Ministries. We're seeing a lot of people, virtually everybody that's associated with the Living Savior Ministries, the people that are walking in obedience to His Word, if you're associated with this ministry and you're praying for people, you're seeing results. Isn't that awesome? We're seeing God do wonderful things. But look what He says about us. We should gently teach those who oppose the truth. You can't imagine anybody would oppose the truth of God's Word. But they do. Because they're thinking wrong. I mean, I had a man sitting right over here where a Melody's sitting just a few weeks ago in Bible study. That's about the same chair he was sitting in. And I was teaching some things in Bible study. And this young man, when I got to a certain place, he just stood up and said, Hey, I guess the next thing you're going to tell me is that you, God expects me to be perfect. I was saying you're not supposed to sin. He just he'd never been here before. That was his first time. I said, Well son, I won't touch that with a ten foot pole, but I'm gonna ask you to read just one verse, just one. I said, Turn to Matthew five forty eight and read it for me. And he turned over there and read it and he says, Wow. Wow. Isn't that awesome? But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So I said, see, I'm I'm not going to answer that, because if I had said, yes, God expects you to be perfect, you said, this guy's crazy. Get me out of here. But the Word says it, doesn't it? Okay, let's go back to where we were. They should gently teach those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will believe the truth. Now... I mean, it depends on where they are. Maybe God won't even change their heart. He alone knows their heart, doesn't He? But at least if we teach them gently, those that oppose the truth, perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will believe the truth. And then look what the next verse says, if we're quarreling quarrel, Then they will come to their senses, and then they will escape from the devil's trap, For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants to to them. So if you're walking in quarreling, bitterness and strife in your home, you're being held captive by the devil and he takes you at his will. So he wants to come by your house and make you sick, no problem. You're open game. Well, but Lord, I just had a little... You just don't know what Thurman did to me. You don't know how he offended me down at that church. I'll never forgive him for what he did. The devil has you at his will. Freely. Or I use myself. You might use your own nature. But my wife, my husband, you don't know what he did to me. Or my son, or or whoever. My next door neighbor. Anybody. I ain't never going to talk to them again. You don't know what he did to me. I ain't never gonna to talk to them again. That quarrelsome strife that you're living in has opened a door to the devil and the devil's gonna take you at his will. I mean, you're in his trap because you believed a lie. So he comes by your house and puts something on you. Can you think the devil could come by and put a tumor on your neck? Think he could put one in your stomach? He think he could put one on your breast? You think he could do, you think he could kill you? Sure, he can. Now, do you want to be held captive at the devil's will? Or do you want to get away from your quarreling and strife and bitterness? If you do that, then you ain't at his will. He can't touch you. But see, you're put to the test every day. The test comes, and like we said a while ago, when the test comes, like that, I'll tell you all this story, I think God gave me this in a vision. I I don't know where this story came from, but I got it this week. And I know that due to all the things that have happened to me this week, this was something God was showing me. And I, like I said, I don't know where I heard this. I don't know whether I sat in my office and went to sleep and God showed it to me. I don't know where it came from, but this is a story that came to me from somewhere. There was a man, and he was married to a woman 40-something years. And he loved her with all his heart. And she loved him. They wouldn't have any problems at all. And he prayed, Lord, I want to go to a new level of faith with you. Now, the Lord says, if you want to go to a new level of faith, consider all the trials and tests that you're fixing to go under to test your faith. Okay, I don't know if he understood that or not. But he prayed and asked God to bring me to a new level of faith. Well, The next morning, when he woke up in bed with his wonderful wife of 40-something years, she just merely turned over and made a little statement to him. But it made him mad. Lit his fire. I know none of y'all ever done that. Have we? Sure we have. You know, instead of thinking and capturing the thought and bringing down that stronghold, we just blow apart when somebody says something we don't like. You know, we're all put to the test every day. But anyway, he said, my wife said something to me, and it made me mad. So I got out of bed, so I'm going to go fix some breakfast. He said, in a little while, she came in, and she's doing some stuff, and she said something. And when she said something else, I got madder. And I thought, what is wrong with me? You know? So he said, I got madder. and said, as the day goes on, by the right after lunch, he said, she said something. And I said, that's it, woman, I'm out here. I can't stand no more. You're complaining. She said, well, we only got one car, and I got the keys. He said, then I'll ride the bicycle. So he said, I go out and jump on that bicycle, and I run off. And he said, the further I go, the madder I get, and the harder the adrenaline pumps. And he said, I ride that bicycle until I am so exhausted that I can't even stand up. And I pull off the side of the road and fall over on the ground. And he said, I fall in an ant bed. He said, I'm so exhausted. Ants are crawling on me, stinging me. I said, Lord... I've I've, I've got to have some help. And he said, the Lord says, I thought you wanted to go to a new level of faith. He thought, he said, Lord, I did ask you for that. He said, you failed your test. How many of us have failed our test? (laughs) All of us at one time or another. He said, then I realized what I had done. I had opened a door to a spirit world. They got, who's in control of the spirits, all of them, good or bad? God is. And when he was put to the test, God sent a spirit to, at the very minute that this lovely wife he'd been married to all these years, made a little statement to him when she did that little spirit spoke in his ear. Get her. I know that's never happened to none of y'all in your life. How many times has that devil happened to all of us? Somebody says something, you may be at work. You know, this could happen, and some guy, you're a little on edge with a guy anyway, and the guy walks up and says, I don't like the way you did that job. Now, if he's your boss, you might say, well, I'm sorry, sir, I'll do the best I can. But if he, He's just one of the guys, you well, go, I don't like you either. Have we ever done those kind of things? Sure we have. We've let people get under our skin. We have failed our tests miserably. And when those spirits come to put us to the test, and we miss it, Just like this man did. He failed his test. So he said, Lord, I now see what happened. I now understand. He said, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And he said, Lord, I've got to have some help. He said, I've rode this bicycle a long way. I really don't even know where I am. But his adrenaline had pumped. And he took that bicycle and he walked it across the street and stood it up on a sidewalk there. On a wall. <clears throat> and he was going to get him something to drink or something. He was so exhausted. And he said, All of a sudden, a pickup pulled in. And they said, Oh, John, what are you doing way out here? He said, Well, I might ask you the same thing. What are you doing way down here? He said, We're going to see you and your wife. Oh, you are? He said, Yeah. So he said, What are you doing out here? He said, Well, you wouldn't understand it if I told you. So he said, I'm going back home. And he said, oh, good. We'll just follow you. Where's your car? He said, I'm not out here in a car. He said, what do you want? He said, I'm riding a bicycle. He said, a bicycle? Do you know you're 50 miles from home? You imagine how tired this guy was? What had those spirits done to him? When's the last time one of you got on a bicycle and rode it 10 miles? I did that one time. I remember one time I hadn't ridden a horse in years, and my daughter got a new horse, and I knew I'd better ride this horse because he was acting up, and my little daughter I didn't want her to get hurt. So I got on this little horse and immediately began to buck, You know, I whipped him, I said, you settle down, I'm not going to let you do this, and I mean I got out there bareback on that little guy. You know, I had a bridle on him all. he put my long legs around his tummy, and every time he'd kick up, I'd click, dig into him deeper. And I'd whip him. i said, you stop that. My daughter gets on you. I don't want to see you raise your head. He'd resort to throw that head up, and I'd hit him right between it. I said, you put that head back down. I'm in charge. I rode that horse, I bet you, for two hours. But he found out at the end of that two hours, I was in control. I mean, when my daughter got on him, he was a good boy, and he walked around real nice. But I'm going to tell you the next morning, I couldn't get up. <laughs> I hadn't rode a horse in two in ten years. And when I ride one like that for two solid hours, I mean, every bone and muscle in my body was sore. They would, none of them worked the next morning. <laughs> my legs were still conformed like a horse. <laughs> I paid the price for that diligently. Now, if none of you have ever ridden a horse or know what I'm talking about, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But this guy, I can only imagine, God had to intervene supernaturally for this man to rode his bicycle 50 miles. Because I'm going to tell you, the next morning when he woke up, he, he probably could, unless God intervened and forgave him for his sin, he couldn't walk the next morning. You know that? Because I'm going to tell you, I couldn't walk after riding that horse two hours. But I had a greater interest than it was in my baby. I was thinking about my baby. I wasn't thinking about me. I'd never give it a thought that I'd be so sore the next morning. But that horse bucked. He did everything in the world. But man, every time he'd buck or kick up them heels, I'd wear him out with that rein or that stick I had, whatever, until he became a good boy. You know? You know, sometimes you have to almost treat people like that. Uh-oh. Almost. <laughs> Not quite. I remember when my daughter got a bigger horse, you know. I mean, she got this big playday horse I bought it for, her. and then she she rode him real regular. And then all of a sudden, she gets 16, and she gets a motorized car, a horse, you know. And she ain't got time for this horse no more. So about a year comes and goes, and she hadn't rode this horse. One day she comes in and says, Daddy, I want to ride my horse. I said, well... I said, he's a play that horse, and he probably ain't going to be too happy about this since he hadn't been rode a year. he has been walking around out there in the pasture with nobody. I said, I better go down there and saddle him up for you and ride him a little bit first myself. So I went down there and got him in the lot and come in the lot, and I took a bridle, and I walked out there a boy, he turned that head down, and he put them ears down, turned that rear end around to me. You know, and I said, whoa. I said, one of them big beasts like that kill you. They'll kill you. So I backed off out there and I kind of swatted at him. I said, Turn that rear end around there. I said, Put your head around here. And I started up to him again. Man, he ducked that head and put them ears back and bowed up like this. And I know what that means. I just walked over there in my lot. It picked me up about an eight foot long rope that I had that had a big old steel bolt in the end of it. I walked back out there and I said, Don't you turn that rear end around to me again, Buster. Boy, he lowered them ears. And I tuck that rope and I come over like that and I hit him right between the back of the rear end and his feet fell out from under him and he fell completely down on the ground. And when he got up, he turned around and put his head in that guy.
2: I'm
0: telling you, I've dealt with animals. Then beasts will kill you. But when they learn you have authority and sometimes you have to exercise that dominion, and that's the same kind of authority you've got to exercise in the spirit world to overcome the forces of darkness. And you've got to be just as bold with them devils. When you come before the throne of grace, you walk in there with your whole, everything in your body cleansed and purified in the blood of Jesus. When you come into that with your body and your spirit and everything clean and washed in the blood, you can walk boldly into the throne of God. And when that devil bows up at you, you can hit him with the Word of God, and he'll fall to, your, to his knees in your presence. Amen. But if you've got a sin in your life, he'll kick your head off. If you're living in strife and quarrel in your home, there ain't no use going up there. He's going to beat you. He's going to take you captive at His will because the Scripture said He did. Isn't that what that said? If there's quarreling. I think one of the other translations, Dave, I don't remember which one of them. We might look at the King James there. King James, or I think we looked at the NLT there. But back up to Verse 24. Let's see what it said in the King James. Go back up a couple of verses. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. And if God will, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. In the next and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. You want to know why a lot of us are taken captive by the devil? Anytime he wants to come by and just torment the fool out of you? Because you're living in strife and bitterness in your home or at your workplace. So when you're living there, According to that Scripture, if I read it right, you're legal game to the devil. you read that like that, Tom? So, I don't want to be legal game to the devil, do you? No. Why would anybody want to be legal game to the devil? You know why we are? Because we don't know what this Word says. And when we read it, we don't believe it. Or I'll tell you even better than that. We read it and believe it, but when the devil comes to put us to the test, we forget who we are. That's the way we really do it, isn't it, Esther? I mean, we know the Scripture. We're sons of God. But the old enemy comes by and says, I'm just going to put Esther to the test today. And he comes up and says and whispers in your ear and says something about somebody. And you listen. Instead of saying, oh, no, devil, I ain't going there with you. I ain't going to get into no quarrel. I ain't going to get into no strife, no bitterness. I ain't letting you take me captive at your will. I'm going to walk in obedience to the king's command. And you know what the king says? You passed your test. You passed your test. Now, Unfortunately, I have not passed all of my tests in life. I've missed a few of them. I have missed a few of them way bad. But I can say that because I can look out on y'all, and I know y'all have been there too. So, I, you know, that's why that way I know I'm, not, I'm in good company, you know. Now then, when I find a man that ain't never been deceived by the devil, then i have hey, I've really listened to this guy. <laughs> he really got something that I need. But so far, I've not mastered this. But I'm working on it. Now then, as we read that in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5, we have to capture every thought and bring every thought into captivity. In fact, that scripture there that we were uh, back in the uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. When we go back over there, we saw that the weapons that we fight with are not carnal, of mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And verse 5 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity... How many thoughts? Not just part of them. Every thought... And make it obedient of Christ. Now then, if you can't get to the point where you can do this, you're never going to walk where God wants you to walk as that perfect individual. Because as that perfect individual, He said you can do the same things I did. Oh, we want to get there, don't we, Fred? Oh, we want to get there. We want to walk where God walked. I mean, he walked as a man and he was perfect. And man, I mean, when he spoke. In fact, I loved it the other afternoon whenever I'm in there in the ministry center when the storm did come. I was over to the ministry center I heard, I heard everybody moving around. I thought, what? that sounds like really big raindrops on the top of the building. And I went outside and opened the door and it wasn't raindrops. It was hail. I just said, in the name of Jesus. And it stopped in... 30 seconds. In the name of Jesus. there was no, The hail stopped within seconds. Hallelujah. Now, how much dominion and authority does the Lord give us over the things on earth? Oh. All, if you know it. If you're walking in obedience to His Word. Now, all these trials and tests come through. That's just like one night I was out there Did not too long ago. It's been a few years ago. Not too many. But a, a guy that just lives south of me right down at the end of my road had just built him a nice great big probably a four-car garage, great big one out separate. Of course, he's got another one there today. But he had just built a brand new one, and he had two or three cars in it. He built it to protect his cars. And one night, we had a pretty severe storm come by, and I was out there in my shop, and all of a sudden I felt the doors on my shop standing out. They began to pull out. And when I saw that half-inch steel pipe that goes up through that holds at to the top and i saw that piece of pipe bending over to the top i thought whoa there's something out there pulling out bad there's a negative pressure out there because the pressure inside is pushing that big door out there's a big two big doors on the end of my shop and i immediately run to the little door and open it i said in the name of jesus i take authority over this and you will not damage anything on my place And that tornado went right from where it was, right down, and it hit his barn, or that brand new shop he just built, and just leveled it. It fell in on top of all of his cars and ruined them all. He didn't know what I know. If I hadn't have known it, I might have lost everything I had, too. But I knew my authority as a son of God. So when these trials and tests come, like Dave said a while ago, Jesus was sitting there. He wasn't upset when the storm was out there. He was sleeping. He knew who was in control. He didn't have to worry. He wasn't living in no sin. He would... In fact, I, after, we, after the hail stopped the other day, I'm kind of like Dave there. I stood out in front of the minister center and several of the people came out. I think Cheryl was even standing by my side. I think you were when that big lightning bolt hit right out in front of us out there. I mean, man, that's right. You was out there with little John. Man, he didn't like that either.
2: Laughter
0: But a lightning bolt hit right out in our pasture, didn't it? I mean, you come down and hit the ground. and I mean, you saw the lightning coming and actually it looked like before it even hit the ground, I mean, the wave, (laughs) I never even flinched. I didn't even flinch. Hardly nobody else did either. Why did we not even flinch? We're sons and daughters of God. We know our daddy's in control. We know he ain't going to hurt us if we're walking in obedience to his word. There's two or three more of those lightning bolts hit in the next few minutes, now we'll say little John since he's so young, he didn't like that. But Daddy comforted him. Said you're going to be okay. And I patted him on the back. I said, son, you don't have to be no, no no concern. I said that's just our big Daddy working on things around here. We don't have to be afraid. That's our big Daddy. I said he's in control. He's not going to hurt us, you know. So you don't have to be concerned if you're walking in obedience to the word. But you've got to capture every thought. Every thought comes to you. The devil says, oh, we fixed to wipe you out. He says, oh, no, my daddy ain't going to wipe me out. He ain't going to let me be wiped out. You've got to capture every thought. You've got to learn how to think. Now then, you have to cast down even the imaginations of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Where are you going to get this knowledge of God? you're going to have to read and meditate on the Word day and night. And if you don't read and meditate on the Word, you ain't going to be able to do these kind of things. In fact, these things are going to be so foreign to you. I think about that man that was several years older than me that I come back from up north one time where I'd been preaching in an Assembly of God church. And up there in that church, I met two women after the service that night. They came over to the deacon's house that I was staying at his home. And these two women walked in. And when they walked in, Lisa and Ruth were their name. Never forget these two girls. I walked in. I said, oh, he introduced them. He said, these are my neighbors. These two girls, they live right down the street down here. I said, are you two girls Christians? Well, yeah. I said, well, where do you go to church? Ruth said, well, I don't go very much. I go some, but, you know, I go here and there. I said, what a shame. I said, Lisa, how about you? you a Christian? Yeah. I said, you go to church? No, I don't go at all. I said, what a shame. I said, "Would you girls tell me about your medical history? What do you mean? A medical history? I said, if you're supposedly born-again Christians and you're totally out of church, you're disobedient, and I guarantee you've had a medical history. Tell me about it. Bruce said, well, I just had surgery on my arm. I said, what did they do to it? She said, to put a bolt in there to hold it up. Here's this 40-year-old woman. Had a deteriorating arm bones have falling apart she's falling apart what do you think's doing that the devil of course and then i said well how about you lisa she said well i've had back surgery three times and i want to do it four she said i've got a two steel rods in my back now and she said i can only bend over about this far and said and that hurts and she said, every time I take a step, I take little steps because I can't raise my legs very high because it stretches my back. But she said, they want to do another surgery to see if they can eliminate some of the pain. But she said, every time they do this, it gets pain gets worse. So she said, I told them, no, I ain't going there no more. I said, well, if you girls will make Jesus a promise that you'll turn from all your wicked ways and you'll start going to church and serving Him, reading His Word and studying His Word. I said, He will heal you. And they're kind of dumbfounded. They ain't never heard nothing like this. And I said, uh, how high can you raise your arm, Ruth? And she said, oh, about this high. I said, that hurts, doesn't it? She said, yes. I reached over and laid my hand on her arm. I said, Father, I said, will you make God a promise? Will you repent of your sins, make him promise you'll go to church? Well, she said, well, yeah. I said, no, you've got to be serious, Ruth. This ain't a game we're playing. You've got to be serious. She said, okay, Lord, Lord, I repent. I'm not sure she even believed that he was really real at this point. But she said, okay, Lord, I repent. I will go to church. I will serve you. I reached up and laid my hand on that woman's shoulder, and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to turn that stainless steel bolt in her arm into flesh and blood. Heal her. Now, you've got to retrain yourself to think like God, or you can't even pray a prayer like that. I said, now it's done. I said, raise your arm straight up. She says, now? I said, yes. So she starts up with her arm, and there ain't no pain. And her eyes get that big, you know. She's out of you And she said, look, I can do anything. And Lisa's over there. She jumped up, and she said, Lord,
2: I repent. I repent, Lord, I'll do anything.
0: You know, when the power of God hits a place, when God sees, when people see that God is real, there's some people in the world don't believe God even does those kind of things anymore. You know? But Lisa, she said, Lord, I repent. I repent. I'll do anything. She said, Lord, I'll go to church. I'll serve you. I'll do anything you ask. Just heal me, please. Amen. I walked over to that poor little woman. She's standing by this time, put my hand on her back. I said, Lord, thank you for being merciful to you two little girls. I said, Lord, I ask you to turn those stainless steel rods into flesh and bone. And make her where she can turn over, where she can bend, where she can walk with no pain. I said, with you, nothing's impossible. I said, thank you, Lord. I said, it's done. I said, he's healed you, Lisa. Bend over and touch your toes. And she went over and laid both hands flat on the floor. And she jumped up screaming and running in place and everything else. And one of the men in my Sunday school class, when I started telling that, he said, Thurman, this guy, he was 75 years old. He said, You mean to tell me you had the faith to ask God to turn them seal bolts and rods into flesh and blood, and he did it? I said, It's a good thing you didn't ask him.
2: <laughs>
0: with his unbelief, do you think it would have worked, Ernie? When God says you ask for anything, you've got to believe with no doubt in your heart. You know, we don't believe this book, do we? We don't believe this book. I mean, them promises are in there, Ernest. Now, why do they not work for us? Number one, we live in that quarrelsome, bitter, strife life. And by living there, the devil already has you at his will. So, now then, let's see a little bit more what we got to do. Let's go to Philippians chapter four, verse two and five. Let's see what we've got to do. If we have to capture every thought. Did you say we had to capture every thought? Amen. If we've got to capture every thought, let's see what Philippians 4, 2 through 5 says. Philippians 2, or Philippians 4, verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy. Philippians 4, Philippians 4, 2. What did I do here? Did I get the wrong one? Hmm. What does verse 3 say, Dave? Remind the wrongs? Philippians 2, 4. Maybe it was Philippians 2. I don't know what I did here when I printed this out. When I put that up, I thought I was in Philippians 4, verses 2. There we are. Philippians 2, 2. Okay, I'll have to change that in my outline. Okay, Philippians 2, 2. Fulfill ye my joy... That you be like-minded. Yeah, thank you, honey. Isn't that strange how that sometimes when you go to type a number, you'll be looking at something and you're thinking, well, whatever, anyway, so I typed the wrong thing there. I've done that before a few times. Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife. Let what be done through strife? Nothing. Now, I'm sure the king just put this in here just kind of to tie the pages together. You don't think he did that? You think he meant what he said? Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Boy, that'll put you to the test. I got tickled at Ty a while ago. He come running in here, put his coat on. I'm back there, he says. I
2: said,
0: what's wrong with you? I thought, he says. I said, what's wrong with you? I said, you got a pretty coat on. No, that's not what I want to show you. I said, what? He said, oh, he's got his wings. I oh, praise God. <laughs> I said, Ty, get off of that pride. God ain't going to do nothing for you. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. He's got to show everybody now. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, oh, you're tired. So it fell off. Let nothing be done through stifle or vain glory. <laughs> Nothing. (laughs) This is a hard one, folks. This is a hard one. Especially when you put in as many hours to get them wigs as he did. I know. I've been there and done that too. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Will that put you to the test? Will that put you to the test? It really will. Look not. Every man on his own things, but let every man also on the things of others, let this mind, this mind, we're talking about here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Of course, Ty, that's one of his favorite words. This mind that's in Christ is in us. And that's true. It's just said so right there. But we have to learn how to control that and utilize that. If you don't, the flesh and the devil will overcome you. So... These are some of the things you've got to do if you want to walk where God wants you and me to walk. Well, one more scripture, one more set of scripture we're going to quit for today. We're going to go to, now this one I think is Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Okay, just down a little bit further. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice. Hey, we've got the right one, right? Rejoice in the Lord once and why? Oh, You've got to watch these preachers. They make mistakes, don't they, king? Amen. How often do you rejoice in the Lord? Amen. All the time, right? Now, the king said that too. That's not coming from me, right? I've right. right. got, got to fall in there. Just like Dave told me the other day, said when Thurman is teaching or preaching under God's Word, he's under an anointing from God. And it's just amazing what God does there. But said when he walks off of that platform and comes home, he's a man just like me. And that's absolutely right. I put to the test every day, just like he is. Or ain't no different. Or Ty or anybody else. Ty was telling me a while ago, he said something about, he's really going to have to start watching them augers. Another one fell hit him in the head this week. You know? so, he said, old augers. I mean, you know, last year one almost got his arm in there. Y'all remember that? It did. Not almost. It did get him in there. Tore his hand up and everything. And we had to pray and God was merciful and healed his hand with no scars. Or... But he said, yeah, thank you, Jesus. I mean, you know, that angel pulled him out of there. I'm telling you, if that angel had to pull him out, he'd have been a goner. I mean, it jerked his arm plumb off, you know, but he screamed out to Daddy. And, of course, he said he felt, if I remember right, you felt something come around like two a man's arms, didn't you, Ty? It pulled him out of there when he cried out to the Lord. Because he, when he was sucking him into a grain auger. He was already way in it. And, of course, pulled that glove out, tore all the palm of his hand up and everything else. But, yeah, you could have easily lost your arm. Yeah he pulled the shirt off. I know boy'd like to got you. I mean, that's as close as you can get. And now then we got to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, do everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, these are the things that you've got to do to retrain yourself. Now, there's another one, a couple more verses and we're through for today. Verse 8, finally, brethren, finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, Whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure. Oh, that means we need to watch television tonight. You don't think there's pure things on television? Not the last time I turned to be stone, there wasn't nothing pure on it. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are of good report. If there be any virtue or moral excellence, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now then, from the few little things we've read today, how many of you would like to be perfectly trained like the Master? Okay, this is where you've got to start. This is just the starting point. Now, this is not all by no means, but this is a starting point. This ought to keep us busy this week, wouldn't you think, Ernest? <laughs> yes, if we do everything He said right here in humor, that's a good week's work, isn't it? Yes, well, Will His Word challenge you and me? Yes, sir. I mean, it really challenges us, don't it?
2: All
0: the, all the time. Father, in the name of Jesus... Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You've given us this Word. And Lord, I ask You to fill me and my spouse, my lovely honey bunny. I ask You to fill the two of us as a team with Your loving spirit of love, joy, and peace. So we, together, can walk there with You every day of our life. And I ask You to do that for everybody in the ministry center and everybody in this church. Lord, we don't want any strife in the ministry center. We want it to be holy and perfect. But we don't want any strife or anything in this church except your Holy Spirit either, Lord. So we ask you to touch everybody here, starting with me and Cheryl. And Lord, from there down, we ask you to fill us with your spirit of love, joy, and peace. And let all these things that you told us today be alive in our hearts And may the Holy Spirit keep us in all these things every day, every week, every month, every year so that we can be used of you and be vessels of honor, fit for the Master's service anytime He wants to use us. Lord, we're available. Now, Lord, bless everybody in this church today. As they go this week, bring them back to Bible study Tuesday night. And Lord, bring them back to church next Sunday. And use them in the meantime this week to do great and wonderful things for the kingdom of God. And I praise you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.